Welcome to Practice Outside the Lines podcast. I'm your host, Heather McPherson, multi-passionate sexuality entrepreneur. Join me as we learn from the people who are working at the leading edge of sexuality. We'll listen in to how it all happened as they share all the secrets to mind-blowing success. Today on the episode, we have Nicoletta Heidegger. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. Welcome to the show, Nicoletta. Hi, thanks for having me. It's, <laughs> I, I've known you for so long, so it's so funny. It's like now we have to be in this like professional interview capacity. I know, it's very strange. I'm not sure how this is going to work. Some crazy stuff might come out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So you have a bunch of education and a bunch of things that you do. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's all of us these days, but you are actually going on and getting your PhD right now, which is super awesome. Um, can you tell me kind of how you decided to um, go about that process in terms of like getting your master's and the PhD and so on? Totally. Well, I, I've known for a long time since I was younger that I was interested in, in all things sex related. And when I went to college, I ended up studying uh, psychology. And within that, there was like a sexual health peer resource center uh, that I ended up working at doing like peer counseling. Um, it's basically like a center on campus where you could get free condoms, buy sex toys and get like sex advice from your peers. Um, nice. So I ended up working there. And then my senior year, um, I was actually the mascot, you know, like the person that dances around in a costume at the Oh yeah, games. Stanford Tree, I think it's called. Yes, <laughs> yes I was the Stanford Tree. <laughs> and so I ended up doing a sex column called Sex Talks with the Tree. Nice. And really, really enjoyed that. It was received pretty well and I loved doing it and so I knew I wanted to get into psychology um, with some kind of emphasis in in sexuality so I ended up doing my master's at Pepperdine in Los Angeles and I picked Pepperdine mostly because I just wanted to be back in LA where my family was to spend some time with them and then I realized when I was there that most therapy professionals only get one class if at all on human sexuality yeah. And so we just had one class that was pretty general. And so I was like, well, this, I already know kind of a lot from my own studies, but this isn't enough. And so and I you're decided- lucky to even have had one class, most universities and master's program and therapy and counseling have zero classes on sexuality. So yeah. Right. And that's for people who are also doctors and OBGYNs mm -hmm. and like any healthcare practitioners. And so I knew I wanted more. I was already like the sex person, I think in the MFT class that people the would ask sex, sex person. <laughs> I love yeah, it. That's like, that's been me for a long time. The, the sex, sex tree. Yeah, the sex tree. <laughs> <laughs> the tree that you fuck. Exactly. Um, yeah, this next tree. And so uh, that's always kind of been my role, I think, since high school, where people have asked me those types of questions or felt comfortable talking to me. So I ended up applying to a master's program, uh, which at the time was the only like accredited program that offered like higher education and human sexuality at a place called Widener. So I did my master's of education there. And the first two years are basically the same as the first two years of the PhD program. So I figured I would just keep going and stay in school forever because I really want that doctor title. Yes, doctor title is so prestigious. Getting your PhD in human sexuality from Widener, which is a wonderful university. And yeah, they seem like they have great staff and great kind of resources there. And I know a lot of people that have gone 
on to get that education from Widener and have been really successful. So it's it's cool to see kind of the progression and the um, career trajectory you're going on. Uh, so you will be Dr. Nicoletta soon. <laughs> yes, I will be. And I'm, I'm at my dissertation phase, which is kind of slow going. But, you know, I think I've had a lot of people reach out and ask like my route and what I did to do things. And you know, now I think it is more accessible with things like, you know, the Sexual Health Alliance where folks don't need to go to higher ed. But initially I kind of did it because I wanted to be able to teach at university level. And because there's so much shame and stigma around Mm -hmm. uh, sexuality professions, um, especially in like the mainstream therapy community, I didn't want to give anyone any reason to like question my expertise and validity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. You mentioned the Sexual Health Alliance. We were so lucky to have you launch California, basically the whole fucking state of uh, Sexual Health Alliance. And um, you were a huge uh, resource and huge hard worker in getting that whole operation going. I can't thank you enough for that. Um, I feel like you're still kind of in within our Sexual Health Alliance network because you've taught with us recently in our live conferences and I hope that you'll continue to do that with us. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so you have a lot of different businesses. Um, obviously, you helped get the Sexual Health Alliance going in, in uh, California. You have your own private practice um, in LA. You also have a growing hit podcast on Live Series XM uh, called Sluts and Scholars since 2017. Tell us a little bit about that venture. Um, Actually, I'm not doing more of the live shows right now, but I believe they still do replays um, on the SiriusXM show. But mostly I'm just available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Anywhere. You can have in your ear anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you like my voice um, and you like to listen to me talk as much as I like to listen to me talk, (laughs) then you can find me on um, anywhere you get your podcast. But yeah, Sluts and Scholars, um, I I really just wanted to like reach a wider audience uh, with, you know, sex education and have it be mostly free and accessible for folks. And that's kind of how I first originally thought that I might want to do a podcast. So you wanted it to be accessible, which I think is a, a lofty goal to begin with, because I feel like there's so much crap out of there, out there, especially podcasts and blogs and everything that doesn't have accurate information. So, you know, having a podcast about sex from someone who has actually done the work, gotten the training uh, is already a huge accomplishment. What, why else did you want to start this podcast and what made you come up with this badass name, Sluts and Scholars? <laughs> yeah. So I also, I think it's pretty easy to get burnt out in private practice just when you're only seeing clients. And so I've always known that I wanted to like diversify the things that I'm doing and not just seeing clients. And, Absolutely. Um, at the time, you know, podcasting seemed like the thing to do or the thing to try. And so first um, I was trying to come up with a title and Actually, I was at the spa with Nina Hartley. Nice. Um, Oh, I love Nina. (laughs) Yeah, she's the best. So if you don't know (laughs) Nina, she's a wonderful sex educator who is mostly known for, you know, being uh, an adult film performer. Um, but is also a great coach and a great educator. And she came and to our, our launch for the for the Sexual Health Alliance in California. Yes, she too, did a and wonderful did all kinds of sexy things. <laughs> yeah, she did a great performance. And my parents were there too. They also love Nina. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, she's wonderful. Would check her out. But we were at the spa together and she was telling me how 
she has not been able to like teach educational material at Mm. schools or at colleges Mm. and things like that because of the shame associated or the stigma, excuse me, and shame, I guess, associated with doing sex work. And so we were just talking about how that's so messed up and, you know, so backwards and so Mm. puritanical and that her being in sex work probably makes her a better sex educator um, than than a lot of folks. And so I think I said something to her like, oh, well, it sucks. You can't be a slut and a scholar at the same time. Oh, nice. And it was like, that was the, <laughs> That's that was the name. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. What a story. You know, since you introduced us to Nina, she's gone on to teach with us at the Sexual Health Alliance too, doing some of the recorded webinars in our, in our modules for the certification students. And I have to say, she is a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> she has so much yeah. to offer. Um, you know, she is a slut and a scholar. Exactly. So sluts and and scholars podcast. (laughs) And I I also am, you know, exactly. um, It kind of added to it also, because uh, at the time I had a supervisor uh, when I was in training to become a therapist who uh, basically when you're in training to become a therapist, if you're listening and you're not a therapist or therapist in training, you have to do a certain amount of hours, like 3000 hours under the supervision of another licensed therapist. Yep. And so during that time I was in a group supervision and you know, you're supposed to use the time to kind of talk about your cases and talk about what comes up for you around the cases and get guidance and information. And somebody had sent my supervisor an Instagram post of mine where I was wearing a shirt that oh, said no. born, born to fuck. <laughs> oh, man. And it was a shirt created by a friend of mine. They're um, obviously for... trying to get you in trouble, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was from a friend of mine um, and our mutual friend is uh, another porn performer. And so they had made the shirt for her and, you know, it was like a shirt from a friend. And I had posted the picture because I was getting on a plane that day on the way back from coming back from a class at Widener where the shirt was no problem because it's a sex therapy program. And I didn't even think of it. And I went Mm -hmm. to the airport and I think it was American Airlines, like tried to not let me on the plane because of the shirt <gasps> oh that I was God. I have not yeah. heard the story. That's so crazy. That's fucked <laughs> um, up. <laughs> yeah, it was like that thing that, you know, someone got kicked off a plane because they were wearing like tight, sexy, like leggings or whatever. Ugh. And so I kind of made a big stink about it. And I had to like get back in time for my clients on Monday. So they pretty much like made me put a sweater on over Oh it my God. To get on the airplane. Culture at its best right there. <laughs> yeah, so I... You know, I posted all about that on, on social media and somebody sent that post to my supervisor. Oh, man. And then in our supervision group, we spent like 45 minutes of our two hour time in a group with five people who like, you know, probably wanted to talk about other things. At least I know I did yeah. with my supervisor asking why I would put that shirt oh, out there no. and how I thought that would negatively oh. impact my work with clients oh and God. basically asking people's group and the, their opinions about where, you know, what I Ooh. was deciding to put on my body. So he was trying to get them on their side. Oh, that is bad supervision right there. <laughs> well, she's a wonderful supervisor. We're still close, but it was like, it just kind of confirmed. And I said this in the supervision group, I was like, well, this is why I'm doing the work that I'm doing exactly. because we've spent 40 minutes talking about a shirt that I am wearing on my body. Mm-hmm. And if a client saw me wearing this shirt, to me, that's grist for the mill of stuff that we can talk about. Yep. You know, I'm not going to like probably wear it to session, but I'm also like real and authentic with my clients and I try to model for them that. So, mm-hmm. you know, this really kind of combined that sluts and scholars thing to me about, I should be able to 
like sex, to talk about sex, to be a sexual person, mm-hmm. and can still be taken seriously as an accredited professional. I think that's so important to you know, becoming an authentic therapist and authentic sexuality professional too, in the sense that we don't hide ourselves and we don't kind of put this mask on when we're out in the public or even when we're with clients, right? In terms of who we are. And that includes our sexuality. That's who we are. I think it's our, our mutual friend, Dr. Chris Donahue, I think had has tweeted or posted about, you know, if you want to become a sex therapist, have lots of sex. <laughs> you know, if you want to, you know, cook, you you definitely cook and eat, you know? And so it's kind of like this, this uh, strange thing that when it comes to sex, we're not supposed to be doing it right even if it's your profession <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know talk about it don't wear it nothing <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, wow, of course, what a story. I'm, I'm not going to make my therapy sessions about my sex life you right know, exactly me disclosing something is pertinent and helpful to the client but I'm not you know uh, yeah it's just I think there's a lot of distrust for people who are open and talking about their sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's a very scary thing. It threatens kind of what they know, what they grew up with, everything that they've been taught. And so it's very unsettling for a lot of people. Yeah. So that was kind of the premise for, you know, really getting started is, is wanting to have a conversation around that. And then I think it kind of blossomed from, from there to kind of include anything sex and relationally based um, right. from, I guess, from a, social justice viewpoint, sort of, but also just from a, an educational sure. perspective um, that hopefully made some of those topics like more accessible and to, you know, teach people about different realms around sexuality. And I originally was co-hosting it um, with uh, someone named Simone, and now I'm hosting it by myself. And so, you know, it's changed a little bit over time, but um, I still really enjoyed doing it, you know, even for myself, because I end up learning things from the interviews that I do. Right. Yeah. You really have an opportunity to expand your network and talk to more people and learn a lot about yourself and other people. How is, you know, this is, this is not a regular quote unquote podcast because it's, oh oh my gosh, about sex, right? (laughs) How, how, how is it different in terms of, you know, starting a podcast? Have you encountered any challenges in terms of it being something that is outside the lines um, and more taboo? Absolutely. Um, I like to say that I'm like sex work adjacent. Um, Mm. I certainly don't face all of the direct struggles, both legally and financially that sex workers do based on like current laws um, and anti-sex work, you know, um, Mm. legislation, but I'm certainly like adjacent to it and am affected by it in some ways. And so for one, certainly with a name like Sluts and Scholars, I can't promote on any social media. so they want, you, can't, they want to let, it, let you post it or even have an account because it says slut? I have an account, um, but it's definitely tricky. I have to make sure that I don't post anything too salacious, mm. uh, which is wild because you can go and look at like, I don't know if he even saw his account, but Dan Bilzerian, that like billionaire, and he will post, you know, pictures of, you know, playboy folks in thong bikinis having pillow fights, like, you know, wow. having champagne yeah. sprayed all over their But tits. that's okay. Like, <laughs> but that's okay because he's, you know, billionaire Dan Bilzerian. Right. And um, sex educators, sex workers, you know, there's a huge fight against them on social media. And mm-hmm. so I often can't advertise or promote the way that most folks can. So that's, you have to get really creative um, with how people find out about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't be like fully maybe authentic on certain mm. media platforms because you have to really edit yourself 
Otherwise, you know, my account and a lot of other sex educators and sex workers accounts get shadow banned. So it's basically like people can't find you or your feed doesn't show up in their feed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unless wild. they specifically yeah, go to your account and you don't know when you're being shadow banned. And then mm. obviously it goes all the way to the extent of posts getting taken down even when they're not like breaking the rules oh, um, yeah. and accounts getting deleted and people mm-hmm. getting deplatformed. And mm-hmm. um, you know, for a lot of folks, this is their main like income or livelihood. Um, luckily for me, it's not. I'm privileged that it's not, but it's really tough. And there's, you know, a lot of people have tried to find other platforms but you know legislation keeps getting shifted to where there's not a lot of like safe spaces anymore so that's been really tough sometimes it's tough to get advertisers too given the topic you know you kind of have to stay within the sexuality and or health realm I mean it's tough because we're all sort of in I think anyone in the sex profession is in competition and that like yes this is our livelihood yes we want to find a niche. And if we don't kind of stick together, it's really hard to, I think, exist with all the pushback that we get. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, the most important lesson I've learned is that there is so much need. I mean, we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, how much how much there is of, of a lack of education and, and the, the spiritanical culture we're up against. And so, you know, there is really so much need for all different types of sexuality professionals, all different types of sex podcasts, because, you know, think about how many business podcasts are out there, you know, I mean, having, you know, just a couple or 10 or 20 or 30 sex podcasts just isn't enough. And so I think that it's, it's such an important thing to think about that, you know, every voice talks about, you know, a different part of sexuality or in a different way. And uh, it's all needed. Yeah. And I think there's something for everyone. And it's, it's good to not pick one place to get your information from. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly. good to have checks and balances exactly. um, to make sure that you're getting an array of information so that you can make informed decisions for yourself. Absolutely. So with this podcast that you have, what do you, or what have you learned in terms of how to get sponsorships? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to gain a a listenership. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I think that's the, that's the tough part. It'd be nice if there was like some other key to just get, you know, sponsors and advertisers, but there's a couple of different ways to do it. I mean, you know, some people will start by trying to go through a network, you know, first off, whether that be iHeartRadio or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go that route, but depending on what network it is, like the collective I'm in, I still like own all of my material and episodes right. and information, but there are some folks who operate through a network where the network owns their show. Um, And so I think the upside for that is that you can kind of get access to that network's listenership. Like if you're joining iHeartRadio or something, mm -hmm. you're already getting their huge listenership. You're getting all their money to help you advertise and market. So for me, I would say the first thing was like marketing. Um, And so I did, you know, hire somebody at the beginning to help a little bit with like social media strategy, marketing strategy, also to just help me get set up on a hosting platform. Mm -hmm. And a hosting platform is basically like a server where you can check off where you want your podcast to be sent. Like, do you want it to be featured on Spotify? Do you want it to be featured on iTunes? So like anyone who has a platform can post their podcast anywhere. But if you're, you know, like owned by a certain network, you can kind of be part of their conglomerate almost Mm -hmm. and get advertising that way. But then usually you're not seeing money from the advertising. Then you're getting paid like other rates and fees Um, And the advertising is going directly to like the big company. Mm -hmm. Um, For me as an individual, it took 
I mean, it's still growing. I'm still kind of a small podcast in comparison to a lot um, of others. And, and that's mostly because a lot of folks I know who are in the podcast game have made podcasting their main source mm-hmm. of income or their mm-hmm. main job. Yeah. Um, and so they're doing 40 hours so a week. <laughs> much. Oh yeah. They're doing so much work and I have my private practice. And so I don't want to say I'm half-assing it, but I certainly don't have time to like- You have other priorities. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is a priority of mine and I don't have as much time sometimes as I would like to to dedicate to it. So in some ways it's still kind of, you know, small and and independent. Um, And so I've had to grow- my listenership to a point where advertisers are interested. Mm. And then from there, you know, you kind of basically make a, basically make a chart to give out to people that shows like what your listenership is and offering like, you know, appropriate pricing based on like the standard market rate of what people can buy. Um, You know, advertising and marketing is huge. And so to have, you know, a network focus on that will be essential that it's amazing to have, you know, a lot of these different collectives to, to, you know, really find community and, and help with, you know, increased li- listenership and also even trade podcasts. I think it's, it's yeah. great to have uh, people doing this work. Today's episode is brought to you by Practice Outside the Lines. Have you heard of our podcast community? It's called Sex Casters, and it's a platform for sexual health providers that want to launch or grow a podcast. Sexcasters is a badass community for all sexual health professionals. So whether you're dipping your toes in or you already have hundreds of episodes, Sexcasters is for you. Join our waitlist now at practiceoutsidethelines.com. But it's tough, you know, the market is really saturated for podcasts and even sex podcasts, sex and relationship podcasts, but just in general. So it can be hard to not get, you know, lost in the shuffle. And so it really is a, you know, a lot of time and effort was put into like marketing and trying to grow and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just seeing what, what stuck. And sometimes that happens, you know, naturally for some folks, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's just Mm -hmm. like sheer force. Sometimes it's the amount of money you have to put into it. Right. Um, so it, you know, it really depends there. There are also, so there's different ways to get advertising. You know, some folks will, Uh, do it just through like product placement so maybe they'll like get a free product if they you know a free product for themselves and a free product giveaway if they do a post Um, or you might have someone paying to do an advertisement on a podcast episode Mm -hmm. or you might pair with a specific company and they're like going to sponsor your whole thing for a big amount of money and they're your only you know your sole sponsor there's also folks who go the route of like I forgot what it's called but basically who work with companies where, you know, you'll advertise and then however many like clicks you get to that website, then you get paid a certain amount um, based on who has found the, you know, the certain product from your podcast. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of other ways to do it. I've just kind of stuck to my collective because of the time limit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the more time you have, I think the more options that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, did, do you ever find that you get referrals from um, your podcast to your private practice? I do. Um, I think the thing that's tough is I get a lot of referrals from international folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now I only see folks in California, mm-hmm. um, unless it's for like 
some kind of really specific like coaching or consultation. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have a great, you know, list of resources and referrals to folks, um, that I try to maintain. So I often send people like, you know, resources, whether that be books or clinicians they can see or whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely have folks reaching out, whether that's just an email with like a quick question about a Mm -hmm. referral or people who want to come in as clients. I think it can be a little tricky because it's definitely a good marketing tool and, I want to make sure that whoever's reaching out is someone that I feel safe and comfortable working with. Sure. And so sometimes people that find us through media outlets can have their own thoughts and feelings about who they want us to be mm-hmm. and who they think we are. So I have a pretty like, I think thorough screening process. Um, but right now I'm, I'm mostly full in my practice. So I'm, uh, I'm not taking any referrals. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that's helpful and, and, you know, that has really changed in our industry too, just in terms of therapy and sex therapy. Whenever I first started out in this field and and this was Texas, whenever um, I first started my practice, it was unheard of to offer coaching and to offer coaching or consulting outside of the state or internationally. But now I, I think pretty much like everyone does it. So it's very, very different in terms of, you know, what's, you know, acceptable practice in terms of our therapy group practices and private practices. Now we have, you know, a part of our kind of group practice collective Respark that's Respark and Co that specifically does coaching. That's very different than therapy that's done under the license and in states where our therapists are actually licensed. And so it's very interesting to see how our field is changing to adapt to not only COVID, but just, you know, the need for people, not only outside the States, but, you know, worldwide. Yeah, there's some stuff about the like interstate rules that I think right. are BS, <laughs> especially now because with COVID, we're all, yeah. yeah, we're all virtual and a lot of people mm-hmm. have like gone home to stay with their families because mm-hmm. they've lost their jobs, they've lost their livelihoods, they've lost right. their homes. And so California law at least would say when someone goes to another state, unless you're licensed there, you have to stop seeing them like immediately. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean- unless they're like in crisis or something, but it's like, that sucks for if you've built a long rapport and that person Mm -hmm. needs you, uh, needs your support during a stressful time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So there's, I have a lot of issues with it. And then the coaching thing, you know, you got to check with your state, but you have to be like really specific about Mm -hmm. differentiating between coaching and therapy, which a lot of people aren't. And, yeah. Um, well, and I think and it's the important. To, boards just don't check. Yeah, exactly. I think it's gotten too overwhelming for them. And you know what I recommend is having just a completely separate company. You know, we have a completely yeah. separate company, separate LLC. Everything. Yeah. Everything is different. And, and right. And don't switch cuts. back and forth. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's it, there's a lot of rules that goes into it, and you definitely want to make sure you check with the lawyer and check with your state licensing boards. But it is yeah. helpful to know that you know podcasts can increase your private practice referrals as well as definitely opportunities. Yeah, if you want them to. And I think important, like you're saying, there's a business side of things too. You know, you it can mm-hmm. be a business. So. That includes making sure that you do things, at least for me, that included making sure that I did things right. So everything from like establishing an LLC, establishing Mm -hmm. a corporation, making sure that I had what I needed um, to be doing business in my Mm -hmm. state, in my city with the, you know, franchising board, like all the things that were necessary, creating Mm -hmm. a bank account for that, you know, keeping things separate for financial reasons, for liability reasons, for contract reasons. And that stuff is all kind of a bitch to do. Yeah, um, for sure. But I think it's, you know, the tighter the contract, the better the 
the stuff after. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I learned a lot from you. Um, God, was it four years now ago that, um, that you helped start the California Sexual Health Alliance in terms of like the legalities of it? <laughs> yeah. I have a great lawyer who is like, probably annoyingly stringent (laughs) yes that is true but it's great Um, and I think you know some people don't care about that with podcasting they think oh we're just doing this for fun and that's fine if that works for you and Mm -hmm. you know to protect your your Mm -hmm. ass to protect your assets there's Mm -hmm. definitely things to think about from the legal and business starting perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't be stressed more because you don't want to get yourself into the position where maybe you didn't know, or you didn't understand. And, you know, obviously not knowing isn't a good excuse. So yeah, sadly it used to be when we were younger and now I it's know. not. And it exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that you had a co-host to start. What were the difference in terms of having a podcast with a co-host and a solo podcast? Yeah, I think, you know, when we first got started, it was my, you know, it was my idea to do it. And the, my co-host is like, was anonymous, basically. Mm. It was basically a friend of mine who was like, oh, I'll be a practice guest for you. Yeah. Um, And then we vibed, you know, well in it and it was fun. I think some of the differences have been the style. Um, Mm -hmm. I think because my co-host was a professional in some different ways, she had kind of a a law background, but was an Mm. actor and and Mm -hmm. had some other, you know, some other interests around like abortion access and things like that. So, you know, she had her own uh, interests and passions mm. and identity, but I think she was a little more of like the, the lay person, you know, kind of thinking back to like the old love line with Dr. Drew and right. Adam Carolla. Yeah. You know, it was like the professional doctor and then the you know, lay person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very different um, styles. Yeah. So I think it was a little more humor though. I think at times um, we had gotten some feedback that, she could be a little like overzealous sometimes. Um, whereas I'm more kind of the therapist approach of really liking to like listen mm-hmm. and slow things down mm-hmm. um, and really kind of get to the get to the down and dirty like meat of stuff. So I do think there's been a little bit of a shift in maybe the the content and the and the seriousness, but it's also kind of let me, you know, be a little more myself and have my own platform. So I think it's just it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, then I feel much safer, like having a guest versus um, if we didn't have a guest before, we could just kind of shoot the shit together. Um, sure. And I guess I could do that for an hour on my own, but I, I love communicating in relationship with other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different styles and approaches to how to run the podcast. It sounds. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's hard to mix business with friends. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot, of, a lot of communication about like, yeah. well, can, how do we do this? How do we mm-hmm. do this? And just like power dynamics and financial stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's definitely, um, I would say easier because now the only person I have to ask is me. Right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think anytime you go into a business with a friend, you have to really communicate a lot in the beginning in terms of how this might impact your relationship, what might change, how the financial piece is handled. Um, yeah, just like any, can... just like any relationship. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's something that we don't do it just in general in relationships, much less, you know, whenever you go into business. Um, so speaking of business and kind of financials, you know, we talked about advertising, marketing, kind of a little bit, how to make money with podcasts. What else is important in terms of starting a podcast and, and figuring out how to monetize it? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely other creative ways, you know, people have done the only fans route. People are doing things on on TikTok to get people to like buy their courses. 
Mm. Um, people are doing Patreon, you know, where they'll do extra episodes. Um, but it's, I think it just depends how much work you want to put in, mm-hmm. um, how much time you have and how much, how much work you want to put in. I also think that having listenership engagement, um, is really key. And so something that I noticed is that it, it can be sometimes hard to translate social media following to listenership, sure. AKA yeah. they don't always equal. So even if you have like a big social media following, that means that people might be like checking out your stuff for like half a second Mm -hmm. um, versus are they willing to put in the effort to, you know, really listen to 45 minutes of your podcast. And so like really involving the listeners, whether that be with like giveaways or with polls or with, you know, really getting to know the folks that listen, responding to your DMs. But, you know, there, um, I went to a convention I think two years ago with another colleague of mine, Tristan, you know, Tristan Termina. Yeah. But for other folks, she's a sex educator, author. And we went to this thing called Podcast Movement. And Podcast Movement is, yeah, basically like a learning space and get together for like thousands of podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're doing it online. But, you know, I would check them out too and and just see what you can learn in terms of like different strategies. I think everyone has their own strategies and, you know, it definitely takes time. And a lot of people aren't just going to give you the info for free. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, there are, I think there are literally podcasts about marketing your podcast and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're creating a, you know, a company about this too. So you sometimes have to pay <laughs> to get paid. Right, exactly. Well, and I'm so glad you mentioned the social media stuff. You know, whenever social media started blowing up and becoming big, you know, people talked about buying their followers. And that just kind of blew my mind when when people would talk about like, you know, how that works and what happens. I, I just could never imagine a place where, you know, it would be acceptable and also needed to purchase followers. And oftentimes it doesn't work. But I think, you know, aside from that, social media is something, a place where you actually don't own your followers. So, you know, back whenever you mentioned, you know, sex workers getting thrown off. Yeah, deplatforming or getting shadow banned, you know, it's crazy because you have so many really huge people that that have really good content and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of followers that, you know, it could just be gone be the gone next day. Yeah, and I've, we've seen it happen. It's just crazy. Yeah, it has happened to so many colleagues of mine, mm-hmm. sex educators, yeah. sex workers. And I used to have like, I think probably still have nightmares about that <laughs> happening, just waking yeah. up and having it be gone. But yeah. I think definitely diversifying your marketing because mm-hmm. if you're just depending on that and if it's something of this topic, I mean, of any topic, but especially yeah. one that's outside the lines, you know, right. if you will, then definitely don't just rely on that because it could be gone exactly. tomorrow. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to, you know, if you're going to have social media to also have something more substantial, um, like a podcast or another business or a course or whatnot, um, where you can kind of get the people off social media and kind of in your network. Uh, because, you know, again, not only can it be gone the next day, but that's also a way that you can monetize it and, and have this be, you know, a podcast that you're not just spending tons of money on and, and, and a lot of energy and free time working toward and, and not having it create any benefit for you. Yeah. I think the, la- the last thing I'll think of too, in terms of like the money stuff is, do you know how to edit and or do you have someone who's willing to right. edit or do you need to hire somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, that's mostly the money that I make. I put back into the show because I 
don't have the time and haven't really learned how to do all this stuff mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And so I have outsourced a little bit with the advertising stuff that I get coming in. Whereas some folks, like I said, if it's their job or if they have the time, they, um, they do it all themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so a huge, usually, yeah, it's yeah. a huge learning curve. <laughs> yeah. And the other tough part with the advertising is that at least for my type of podcast, because of the community that I'm in, there's always somebody who does not like my advertiser. Right. Yep. And so there are always no, at least one. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are no companies that are a hundred percent ethical. And right. if you know of one, email it to me. Please let us know. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't know any companies or humans that are hundred percent ethical. Right. And so there are always folks who are either not going to like it or be offended. And mm-hmm. it's kind of this tough thing between like, if I said no to every company that wasn't a hundred percent ethical, I would have no advertisers. Right. And I want to be authentic. I want to like support folks. I don't want people that I'm, you know, care about to feel harmed or mm-hmm. victimized or hurt. And I kind of, it's like, how much do you want to sell your soul? I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How much, how, how much can you, um, how much can you put into it and sacrifice? Yeah. Um, because you're hopefully trying to spread a good message. Exactly. And you want people to listen you want people to hear yeah. it and to, to do good. <laughs> and give people um, free discounted sh- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of the the vision with Sexcasters, uh, you know, this platform and community that I mentioned and that, you know, we really want to teach sexual health professionals that are starting podcasts to be able to um, monetize them in a way that's not only marketing and advertising. So really teaching them how to, you know, develop their course or develop their, you know, programs so that, you know, the podcast can not only sustain themselves, but actually even make them a little bit of money. So I think it, yeah, it's really important in terms of, yeah, exactly. It's really important in terms of like what the goal is of starting a podcast. Do we really just, you know, want to talk and be heard <laughs> or do we want to um, have the good kind of go on past the podcasts, you know, and, and, and really be able to establish a community with it, with it and, um, and spread your message in a more meaningful way. Totally. I mean, like, I'm not a, I have a podcast. This has been my experience. I'm not a paid expert on like podcast marketing. So like I said earlier, like do your due diligence, get lots of information from different spots and see yeah. what you know, works for you. Well, I think it's really helpful specifically to talk to you and as a person who has started Sluts and Scholars podcast, a podcast about, you know, sexy things um, and the, the differences and the hardships that you've encountered in terms of having it be something that is more outside the lines and also just kind of how you've done it and how you've put it together. I think that a lot of the stuff that you've talked about has been really helpful. So thank you. Well, please tell us how we can find you um, and or how we can work with you. Sure. So um, you can listen to the podcast at slutsandscholars.com. Um, that'll pretty much just take you to a almost like the hosting site. But again, you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then I'm uh, available on Instagram at slutsandscholars and on Twitter at slutscholars. And um, on my own private, or I guess it's not private, my personal Instagram, I just changed the handle to like therapy with Nicoletta because it was getting hard to write out and spell my last name for people. So <laughs> therapy with Nicoletta uh, or therapy with Nico on Twitter, you should be able to find me um, or just go through the Sluts and Scholars 
social media if it's not deleted by the time you uh, listen to this because of some sexy thing I posted. <laughs> right. So, so thank you so much. Soon to be Dr. Nicoletta Heidegger. <laughs> thank you thank so you. much for uh, for being on and sharing. You know that your wealth of knowledge in terms of how to start a podcast and and please do check out Sluts in Scholars. It's a great podcast. So thanks again, Nicoletta. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Practice Outside the Lines podcast. My name is Heather McPherson, certified sex therapist, consultant, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Did you know that we have a free course on starting or growing your sexual health-focused business? Go to practiceoutsidethelines.com to get started. If you love this podcast, take the next vital step and rate and review it on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today.